I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Once upon a time, many moons ago, the residents of the northern beaches of Sydney would wake up and head outside to pick up their copy of the local rag, the Manly Daily. It was possibly the first thing they read from Tuesday to Saturday of each week. It was a large paper and the print would come off in your fingers and hence hand washing was mandatory after you put the paper down. Out of habit, the residents continued to do this daily ritual to the front yard for a long time after, only to be disappointed, realising the paper was no longer being delivered. It had followed the trend into all things digital. Drum roll. One day, a young man, Liam Carroll, had an idea. He decided it was time to give the Northern Beaches something they'd been craving Something they could sit and read. Something that informed them of all the newsy stuff the beaches had to offer. After months of blood, sweat and tears, a little gem called the Tawny Frogmouth was born. It was colourful and full of good stuff and it began flying into mailboxes every month. So welcome to the studio, a man of many talents. I think they'd call him a jackaroo, (laughs) Liam Carroll. And a huge congratulations, Liam, on Mission Accomplished. Thanks, Karen, and um, thanks for calling me a young man. uh, 41, so we're all ageing fearlessly, I suppose. It's very nice of you. (laughs) Well, yes, 41 is very young when you've hit your mid-60s. And I only yesterday flew over the other side of of mid. Sorry. Happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. 66. Oh my Satan's god, number. 66. Yeah. Clickety click. Oh, I like could. Yep. In the bingo terms, isn't it? Oh my <laughs> god, it's a bingo call. Yep. Liam, we recently met this year. I was introduced to Tawny Frogmouth, although I was aware of it in my mailbox. And we've had some talks about success and we've had some talks about storytelling and timeless things in our lives and print being something that's timeless and you graced our stages even on Story Room Oz and told a story. So let's get down to some business. Tell us about you. Well, um, (laughs) (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Um, Sydney born and bred and even though I make a, a Northern Beaches publication, I was born and raised in Balmain and a diehard Balmain Tigers supporter to the point I wrote a book called Sweet Dreams of Fanta, set in 1988, about being a moon-faced little chubber addicted to Fanta and besotted with uh, Leichhardt Oval and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, but I, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a doctor, but then luckily I missed out on getting into that by about point one. And, luckily uh, for who? For the whole medical profession, maybe. <laughs> um, but I did physiotherapy and 
soon after doing like a, a prac in a hospital, I didn't, I realized I didn't want to be a, a doctor because um, it's mainly hospital based. Uh, and then did my physio at Sydney Uni, worked for two years in uh, mainly in DY for Jeff Pross, who's a bit of a legend on the beaches for being um, the Manly Seagulls physio back in the glory days mm. from sort of the 80s and 90s with Cliffy and Spud Carroll and all those sorts of superstars. Um, but I was in that for a little while and then got a little bit tired of, you know, uh, people just wanting to rub down or people wanting to sort of touch them and <laughs> give their, and everyone's a bit, if you're a physiotherapist, you're only meeting people who are in pain and they're down and, you know, it's not sort of wears you down, I reckon. Um, but also I discovered kind of financial markets. I was watching Alan Kohler on the ABC news and go, what the hell are you talking about? And I got really into that and, and jagged a traineeship, a global markets traineeship with a Dutch investment bank. And I was old then, I guess I was 26. So that's oh, considered old because everyone so else, well, that was just before the GFC and all these, a lot of guys I went to school with who I wouldn't say are brain surgeons or even moderately good at mathematics were making all this money on whatever the stock market was. And um, I got in just in time when it all crashed, but um, I was doing commodities. So precious metals, derivatives, gold, silver, platinum, palladium. And when the GFC hit, actually gold, those precious metals really went gangbusters. And um, there was a trading desk between guys in Sydney and London and then moved on to commodities of um, physical commodities, so oil and base metals, which actually get shipped all around the world. And, you know, when you see all those um, gigantic tankers full of coal off Newcastle, uh, I never worked in coal, but it's a real um, cowboy industry. These things are travelling and get affected by, you know, tsunamis or um, geopolitical wars. I mean, the Ukraine right now would be a situation where there'd be all sorts of nefarious deals going on with uh, Russia getting their mm. oil out to the world and... People are pretending to care for Ukraine, but they care a lot more for oil and metal. Um, and then that was in Shanghai and Singapore. But it's a pretty uh, high turnover industry and very high stress and a lot of risk on the table. But was a bit of a hippie for a couple of years up at sort of Byron Bay and Corumban. That's when I wrote some books. I think everyone um, has to do a bit of a hippie or a, yeah. a, a, a sea change or a a gap year, even though it, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't, wasn't the school gap year, but a no, gap year. I think a gap year after school is really good too, but a gap year in your mid, sort of between 25 and 35 is probably pretty important too. Probably a gap year every second year is good. Um, <laughs> like maybe every it, year. I, I, I like your way of thinking. <laughs> and then, so novels like they're slippery and um, Sweet Dreams of Fandom, I mean, they're still available, they're still sort of selling away, you know slowly and quietly on Amazon. But then I did a screenwriting course at Australian Film TV Radio School. And I've got some scripts that hopefully get produced and made one day and I'll keep writing them. But that is my only real formal writing training. And I think that comes through in the magazine because I'm not a journalist. And um, a lot of the framework, I mean, not all the articles, it's, it sort of changes, but we try to have storytelling, not news reporting. And that means that you know, the story's about someone or some place or some initiative and there's sort of beginning, middle, some sort of obstacle that they've got to overcome and then it's either, you know, a tragic loss or a triumphant uh, mm. result and then a conclusion and that is because the print has a bit of a time lag. So if something happened, if there's a car accident today or what, all sorts of stuff, you can't really report on it in a meaningful way in a magazine that might not be read for another month. Mm. Um, but it's also really helping because the magazine articles, if you were to get the December 2020, the first ever one, and you could read it front to back now because those people are still in the yeah. community, there's things happening that are 
relate. It's more about themes and it's not, you know, the online world is so saturated. They just are so hyperactive on whatever's, you know, the Johnny Depp trial today or whatever it might be. And then, Mm. you know, tomorrow they forget about it and the goldfish memory takes over and you can't really read a newspaper today in two months' time and enjoy it. Yeah. So really the stories are are often relevant for a very long time to come. Yeah. And that's, um, you know... I sort of did think about that in creating the magazine and seeing the... Because the commodities trading background, I sort of conceptualise a lot of things as commodities and I see the magazine as a commodity because I get five tonnes of the things delivered to the <laughs> garage and I've got to get it to the walkers. And and also the design people might notice it's an A5 format so it fits in the letterbox, it doesn't get destroyed by the rain and all sorts of stuff. And I've got an army of 72 20 foot soldiers, mainly sort of 12 to 14-year-old kids who get paid 15 bucks an hour to pound the pavement and learn their neighbourhood and they, you know, it, there's something easy about delivering. It actually feels quite natural to belong in a letterbox. Some of the kids deliver all these flyers and other things and you see them stacked down in their living room floor when you drop the tawnies off to them and you think, oh, no, that's a nightmare. And and yeah. knowing what some walkers are like, they'll just dump them well, somewhere. Well, I'm very fortunate that I've got some big fans of the magazine who are my sort of secret agent dobbers who will let me know if it hasn't been delivered and I can go, yeah, you know, Justin, I know there's a lot of steep streets uh, Sydney real estate is so expensive because there's so many steep streets and everyone's got a good view and um, it doesn't bode well for delivering on yeah. foot. And if there's a certain street, like, oh, yeah, they would have looked down that Everest hill and <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> you need to get someone that really wants to up their fitness. Yes. Um, and if there are, you know, not necessarily saying older people, but more advanced, um, if they would like to deliver more some um they can do small little zones. Um, it's it's a pretty um, but also like the kids and anyone, you get to know the neighbourhood when you actually have to work out where each bloody letterbox is. <laughs> you really see things that you didn't see before. But I'm sort of cursed because I just see letterboxes everywhere I look now. That's all I look for. Well, you have to look for the odd one, take a photo and post it. Hey, yes. look this cool letterbox. I I, yep. I do take photos of letterboxes when I'm travelling around Australia. There's some real artistic beauties out there. There are. Yeah. So you've. You've really had a very interesting career. I believe, you know, a wonderful way to live because decades ago, a lot of the baby boomers went through the same job for their whole life. That was tradition. You started in something and you finished in it age 60 plus and, and that was it. But these days we all have the opportunity for continuing our learning and um, I think that's wonderful. The tawny frogmouth, it's an amazing bird. Mm. Why did you call the magazine the tawny frogmouth? Uh, a few reasons. But um, So my stepfather, who helped massively and continues to help with deliveries and very fit bird watcher, very avid bird watcher, and I took a photo of a tawny frogmouth not knowing what it was some years ago and sent a photo to him and go, what the hell is this thing? Because uh, for anyone that's ever seen one in the wild, they do have a sort of spiritual nature to them. They kind of stare you down and you're very lucky to spot them because they're so well camouflaged um, and they've just got... There's something more to them than most animals, I think, and I think a lot of birds are like that as well. Um, but it has a bright gob. can open its gob like a Venus flytrap and attract food. Um, they're monogamous-type family builders that cry when you know their partner dies or their children die uh, they're very bad builders, and I'm not a very good builder, so uh, <laughs> their nests are woeful. 
and they're camouflaged in the trees and so in terms of a local magazine that wants to be entrenched in the world but not be a big show pony um it kind of fits to, to sort of be watching what's going on and then open your gob and hopefully bright stuff flies out but also um on a real technical or just appealing to a mass audience is when you open your letterbox if something is there that's been there delivered for free you're probably going to assume it's crap or garbage or trying to sell you something or so if it was called something along the lines of more typical Northern Beaches Gazette or whatever that, you know, whatever it should be called, realistically, a lot of people would throw it away without even looking at it because they mm. would assume they know what it's about, maybe local council, uh, property development, whatever. But the 24 Method is such an absurd, stupid name that when the first one, we just delivered 50,000, didn't tell anyone about it really. And um, a lot of people would go, what the hell is this? And they go, oh, that's good. Oh, I know that person. I've been to that street, whatever. Um, yeah. well, that's how you make a guitar. Like we have sort of interesting articles. And then um, the best compliment I've ever had in my life was because we have a big letters section where you write letters to the Tawny and um, someone said, oh, I don't know who this person is with your Tism mask and that's that band from the 80s, um, mm-hmm. 90s. Uh, this is Serious Mum and they had their stupid outfits on. But they compared me to Tism and, you know, thanks for this mag and, you know, I really mm-hmm. like it. And they probably, it probably wouldn't have had anywhere near the reaction if it was called a, a stereotypical name. Yeah. Um, yeah, well... I have to tell you, I'm going to take a bit to tell your story about a tawny frog mouse. So I live in DY, and one night I could hear this noise. Ooh, 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 ooh. And I thought, whose alarm is going off? Exactly. And then it would stop. 30 seconds later, ooh, 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 ooh. and I was counting how many times it did this, and it's getting up to about 15. So I got up and I listened to the a bedroom door next to mine, there was no alarm. I went back to bed. Same noise, continued on. I'm walking around my unit, looking, couldn't figure it out. Half an hour later, I got up and I looked over the balcony and here's this little owl sitting on the edge of the ledge. And now I know and I chuckle when I hear it, but I really thought someone in the block's alarm was going off. And, yeah, and that's... They just wanted your attention. Yeah, so good, that's hey? what I think about. Like when I think about the tawny frog mouth, I think of that first night yeah. trying to figure out, and I hadn't lived there long at that stage, what was this noise? It was alar- alarm, but yeah. And they like DY. That, I've heard similar stories a lot in DY. They, uh, they really find their voice in DY, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> they do. But, it, you know, I only hear it if I'm laying awake at night and then you hear this. And it's certain times of the year mm. that they're around more yeah. often. But, yeah, it's great. So was there a defining moment that made you decide to do this and then you just decided or made a decision, I know what I'm doing now, I'm going to commit yeah, well, I'm definitely by um, nature sort of contrarian, and that helps in the trading world where when everyone's buying something, you should sell, and when everyone's selling something, you should buy. And the print is dead kind of mantra that everyone spouts so effortlessly and, and says as though it's fact. The Tawny Frogmouth is massively assisted by a guy called James Hutton, who's been creating the Beast magazine. The Beast is the Beaches of the East, and that's from North Bondi to oh. Maroubra. And uh, getting back to sort of... But me being 41, when the mag started, I was 39. And he's I think he's the same age as me. And he's a Bronte board writer type guy. And he's not in any way some sort of top-notch Walkley award-winning journal or anything. But I, the average, everything about Raringa electorate, I was the absolute average, like average age, sort of average everything. Mm-hmm. And so I thought my 
sense of what's going on is probably like the most middle of the road that could possibly be to create what I was looking to create. But also with Hutto, that magazine had started in 2004. I think he's up to 220 issues now in a row. He's done um, very well. And so the print is dead mantra. For the Manly Daily, probably the print is dead to do it on a daily basis and to be very reliant on real estate income or whatever they were relying on. Mm-hmm. Um, but a, a monthly, a quite quirky again, it's very important to be a bit quirky and a bit different so that the stories, you don't feel like you know what you're going to get until you open it and have a look at it. Mm. Um, and so the print is not dead if you have interesting and engaging content that's not too frequent. Mm. Um, so his ability to go for 17 years and, and still go, that I was like, yeah, we're onto something here. And on top of that, that's in you know, eastern suburbs with a bunch of wankers. We're... Uh, <laughs> Northern Beaches, there's, there's so many, there's so much content just being generated. You know, I've got North Head up to Palm Beach and Brookie in the middle, Manly Dam, all these things that are happening. Um, mm. There's a lot of content. There's all the artists here that are super successful and very, yeah. um, you know, accomplished. And, and just your average uh, punter who's really passionate about the beaches, they're really involved in their community, yeah. surf life saving, surfing, sport in general. Because another slight that Afterlife TV show with Ricky Gervais, which has been immensely popular, and he's basically a very a miserable prick. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but um, the, the premise of the story is his wife has died of cancer quite young, and he's trying to get over it, and his brother-in-law gives him a job at the local paper, and he's, he's completely oblivious to how amazingly interesting all the people are around him, and he's just this sad sack in the middle. He like The problem with, and not that there's a problem, but... The opportunity with local journalism is a lot of journalists, I think, want to be working in New York or London or whatever. Mm. They don't look at their local community with any sense of awe or inspiration. They're not telling those stories properly there. Yeah. They look down their nose at the local community or the Spelling Bee champion from Seaforth Public School. Whatever it might be, they want to be talking to yeah. Rihanna or something. Um, and so if you actually approached it, the local news with a real passion for what they're doing, and I'm sort of in awe of some of the stuff I've seen already, um, whether it's the cover artists or the the Silicon Brookie innovations going on in Brookvale. And so that this demographic, this area has riches of story. And I think, you know, people say to me, how do I continually find storytellers for my show? Or how do I continually find interesting people to podcast with? You just have to listen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are so many talented people you know, among my swim group, mm. I can find amazing stories. You yeah. know, you walk down the street and find them in the shops. You know, they're just everywhere yeah. if you ask the right questions and then you listen. And that again, that, um, you know, Rupert Murdoch owning Manly Daily and having no real connection to the area and not realise it's a 115-year-old institution and yeah. the people here, are, you know, there's something special going on and so that, as, as a commodities trader, think, you know, they're like, this is a golden opportunity. What's this idiot doing? And he's the billionaire and I'm not, so he's probably pretty smart. But um, it seemed like a silly thing to do. People talk about success. And many of us struggle with what's success. And we go often to the financial, the dollars, and we say, he or she is successful, that business is successful, and all we're thinking is financial. So when did you realise that the magazine was a success and what does success look like to you? Yeah, I mean, that's a 
big question. And, <laughs> it is um, a big question, but I, mean, we I want this, the uh, answer. <laughs> it's such an easy benchmark, money or financial, um, if, if that's your scoreboard. Cause KPI? We, if that's your KPI, because we do live in a capitalist society and everything's got to make money to continue unless it can get bailed out by... It's funny that the things get bailed out the most of the biggest, you know, allegedly solid institutions, but... Um, the financial way of just looking at someone as successful, they earn more money or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it's so simplistic. And I, I think the success is whether you have an influence on the people around you in a, in a sort of positive way. And um, and that can be if you're homeless, but you, know, you, you say something to someone that sort of gets them through their day, it doesn't necessarily mean extracting every bit of cost-cutting to maximise value for shareholders who live overseas and never met them before. You know, that's sort of toxic. But again, everyone's got to make a living somehow. So for success with the tiny frogmouth, for instance, if the stories are, are very sort of moving and people suddenly have context around a building that they've gone past every day or a person whose business they've never really thought about or a sort of local charity, which, you know, again, they sort of, you can just have your blinkers on and not notice. So it's actually about this time last year we did a story on Stuart House with their mm. 90th birthday and, I mean, I've been surfing curl curl, you know, for a long time and I never knew what the hell Stuart House was and, you know, probably parked my car in front of it a thousand times. And they sort of sent me a thing going, oh, we're going to have our 90th birthday and are you interested in... So we wrote up a story about how it started and it started in the sort of the Great Depression and teachers and, and doctors, sort of medical people, realised that a lot of kids in Sydney were in desperate need of just basic medical care because the parents are too poor to provide it. And so then they set up this... South Curl Curl uh, institution for kids from all over New South Wales to basically go for a fortnight or 12 days and, and sort of get basic like eye, ear, nose, throat type tests and sort of evolved into some, you know, counselling, some basic life skills and but also get a bunch of mates, so, you know, the groups of different kids from different backgrounds who are sort of struggling at home. Yeah. Have two weeks off, go surfing, go swimming, go yep. to Ronga Zoo. Uh, and teachers salary sacrifice, students raise money. It needs five million dollars a year to, to keep doing its work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as that article went out, an anonymous donor wanted to give twenty thousand dollars from seeing that article. You know, Success. so I get the big novelty check. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's funny because that that's money. You know, so it's like just, the money's always a part of it. Um, but the story told the story exactly, and that's what it comes down to: storytelling, yeah. trivia. I did a couple of years working at Stewart House, mainly weekends where I was a house parent and we'd go out and do trips on the weekend. And it was yeah. in my early, you had to be a teacher, was in my early days of mm. having become a teacher. Yeah. yeah. So. No, it's a special place. And, and that sort of epitomises what, you know, you live on the northern beaches, but you're very focused on your home and your work and maybe your, maybe the, the sea eagles, whatever it might be. But there's all these little nooks and crannies that, if the magazine can give context to it, then people, the 50,000 magazines would deliver, then hopefully a few more people are aware of what's actually in their community and um, feel more engaged with it and that's yeah. sort of all part of it. I love the conversation about success and I think you, you can see success and, and that particular story that helped raise money and for, you know, for something that Stuart House needs is so important. And, and that's what the success of your magazine is you're bringing good stuff to the community. Dream Operator by Talking Heads is a song that you chose today. What is it about the song that talks to you? Well, I mean, we could pick any Talking Heads song and 
it'll be in my top ten. Um, <laughs> I think Dream Operator, and um, I mean David Byrne, the the singer, and I'm not sure exactly who wrote the song, but I'm pretty sure he was heavily involved. It just feels like it's this, you know, it's like you're talking to yourself as a kid, as an adult. It's kind of got no sense of time. And if you sort of, if you believe that life is a bit of a dream and you can do whatever you want, or you can you can have a go at least, and that you dream up your own destiny, um, it sort of taps into all those elements. Mm. Um, and then the way it's, you know, he's got a very unique voice and a very unique way of performing that adds to it. Um, but yeah, I sort of feel like time is a sort of a contract that humans have. But you know, as I get older, I can't tell the difference between. 1982 and 2022, it's all kind of merges into one. Mm. And most things start from a dream or a little Mm. tiny thought. Dream Operator by Talking Heads. You are listening to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. Welcome back to the studio. I am with Liam Carroll the founder of the Tawny Frogmouth magazine here on the Northern Beaches. We've been talking about success, about where the name of Tawny Frogmouth came from. Um, But Liam, your partner also plays a very big role in the production of this magazine. Oh, exactly. It wouldn't wouldn't exist without Mrs Frogmouth. um, (laughs) Oh, is that her real name? Yes, born on a passport. (laughs) But um, she has the graphic design experience and now and skill um, that is so essential to making a magazine look good. So there's other kind of community bulletins and just a you know a word document really that you know we live in 2022 and you need more than a word document to grab the eye and and that's it, it's you know people look at say companies like Apple or whoever that what differentiates them and often or a, a certain brand of car and it's often some genius designer who just makes something look sexier and it, it sells more, it, it's more attractive. And, and she's able to just bring all those elements together um, and, and just things that I could never do. Well, working with your partner in life sometimes can be difficult when you go into a business together. How do you manage that? Or do you take it home with you at night? Well, I mean, it's interesting with COVID, you just... Everyone's stuck at home and ready to rip each other's throats off. Um, I think as long as you uh, can just respect what they're saying and bring to the table, you're going to have little blow-ups here and there. And you know, because she's also a very harsh critique of different. If she thinks I'm being lazy with the heading, or because I try and have all the little, every little inch of that magazine, want to have funny little captions to photos and make sure every bit is is doing work. And so often she's right. Rarely, she might be wrong. She's never wrong. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad you admit things. that. I mean, look, if she listens to this, rarely she's wrong is a good thing. Well, that's the thing. If you sort of, you know, don't like what you're hearing in the in the moment, you can. There's a bank of uh, uh, experience where you've been wrong, and you can go, oh, yeah. And I think sometimes it's just take a step back and have a think about it before you you leap in and exactly comment. And, and the, the luxury, I mean, it, it's a lot of work. It's very busy to create a monthly magazine, but you do have a little bit more time than the poor souls that they're trying to create content every five seconds. So mm. you, you want to make sure that those little zingers and funny little captions, whatever it might be, 
um, that you did do put the effort in to make sure that they really count because that's what ultimately people want to see in the mag and it, it gives it so much value. Yeah, and you, you're less likely to suffer burnout with a, yeah. a monthly, you know, where totally. you, you can be creative yeah. and you can take a few days, I imagine, of leisure in between. Yeah. I, know, I know behind the scenes I have no idea how hard it is for you to get to produce 40-odd pages every month. Is that correct? Pretty much 52 has been the sort of like 52. That comes in 200 a box. It makes it easier to disperse to the walkers mathematically. But 52 feels like... Um, a good length of a magazine to have enough articles that cover a broad range of things without becoming some sort of voluminous nightmare that maybe each page loses value if you get over that. It's um, about one and a half pages a day. Well, that's interesting. There's many ways to look at it. Um, <laughs> realistically, you know, it still is a lot of pressure to because cre- basically have to create the magazine in about five days at the end of the month because the rest of the month is delivering or trying to hustle to get advertisers or just manage all sorts of other stuff. Mm-hmm. So. If you could create one and a half pages a day, that'd be amazing. But maybe that wouldn't be the way to do it either. Uh, I do like that analogy, though. <laughs> You're not young. You're not old. I can't even say more mature, you know, in age. Um, but there is any reason you can think of for having had so many varied career paths. Yeah, I think what you were saying earlier about, um, you know, people having the same job for life and and nothing could be less appealing to me, but I think growing up, I mean, tried various things. So I was a, you know, a very overweight little fanta addict, and then maybe it was just puberty. for the tigers. <laughs> for the I'm like hard over. If you want to see some, some pretty uh, funny-looking little fatty photos, I've got the whole Sweet Dreams of Fanta website and stuff. Um, <laughs> but then I got really into basketball and became pretty, like, a very fit, taught young man and, and wanted to play serious basketball, um, did physiotherapy and then crossed over to you know global markets trading and all sorts of stuff and I think that comes back my dad was very much you know if if someone else can do it you can do it you know don't hold yourself back like there's never any limitations and I'm sure a lot of parents say that to their kids but I sort of developed the confidence that you'd go into something new and ask questions and and be silly at the start but you know work really hard and you can sort of overcome any shortcomings in career experience by just just looking at things with open eyes. So a good example, the first day I started Investment Bank, I was a physiotherapist. I was in a risk management meeting talking about basically what are those collateralized debt obligation things. I had no idea what they were talking about, but um, your way you just you just double wrap and triple wrap. They had all these terms for just turning... Jargon. Just turning absolute garbage debt into A grade, which is what <laughs> ruined the whole planet. And I just somehow had the confidence to say, that seems a bit silly, like, you know, like shut up. But like... You could just tell instinctively these people were idiots, but they're so absorbed in their own bullshit that they don't see it clearly. And so getting back to people having gap years or whatever, I think ideally people should change careers every three to five years to mm. apply their skills from one thing to skills on another thing mm. because it's not a guarantee that if you spend 25 years in one profession that you're better at it than someone who's 18 months into it. But getting back to why I've tried all these things or probably just why not? Um, I like it. Why not? But... I think your father was a very wise man in the way he raised you or encouraged you to step out of your comfort zone and do things. You might have really answered this, what makes for a good life and a life worth living? Yeah, I think that's the same thing. That's why challenging yourself or doing different things, you know, if each day is a bit different, but you're just just building up a bank of skills to overcome whatever comes your way. Um, 
it's first of all, it's fun. Um, it's risky, but if you've got the confidence and you've got a network to overcome those risks, then it's also it's more enjoyable than being in a comfort zone. Mm. Um, I mean, saying that with the privilege of living in Australia and <laughs> having great parents and all that sort of stuff, I'm sort of being a bit presumptuous, but I feel like if people get in a rut, there's such... If they were to try something new, all their friends are there to tell them it's a bad idea to play it safe. And if they listen to their friends, they never do anything. So, But it's hard to, to go against what, what the herd is saying. Oh, you must have. I, you know, the, the theme for my next month's storytelling is I can, I will watch me. And it comes from your friends saying you can't do that. Yeah. And from the little, you know that person, have you got one of those that lives in the back of your head and goes... Karen, you can't do that. Liam, you can't do that. I just think we all have these experiences where people say you can't do it. Mm. And it's sort of stop and think about it and what's their reason for saying that and what's your reason for what's doing it, yeah. what you want to do it. It's. Um, I think as a society too, it's becoming um, – I mean, it's going to be interesting this uh, in a few days' time with the election, all these you know, highly accomplished women having a crack – Mm. At the independent seats and, um, you know, Cathy McGowan, Helen Haynes and then most recently Zali Stegall kind of paving the way of the not career politicians and, you know, achieving really good stuff in Parliament that the big parties don't do. Mm. Um, and it's probably becoming more acceptable with, you know, the fact that the gig economy is a reality. Um, there's no real big unionised workforces anymore. You need to develop your own skills across a whole range of things to... And people that think playing it safe they're the ones that are really going to lose out, I think, in the next 20 years if they've played it too safe because every job is up for grabs from robots. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing that's not up for grabs is being good with people and, and solving problems sort of on a sort of more personal level. Um, I think every job you try, whether it's um, packing cornflake boxes at Kellogg's, which I've done, to being a train stewardess, which I've done, all of these things teach you something new. And whether it's resilience or that I just really don't want to do that in my life, they're all a lesson, which is I love what, all that you've done. It just says to me, yep, yeah, this is just a man with experience and the guts to give it a go. Uh, oh, you've got another song here, Cause. Yeah, what I mean, this it? ties in pretty well. I mean, the opening line, because uh, I lost my job two weeks before Christmas. Yeah, I think getting back to that humility to... Um and, and COVID and people losing their jobs and a lot of people being on sort of Centrelink benefits and this attitude that people who are struggling are some sort of bludgers who have set their own, manifest their own destiny because they're such lazy battlers or whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot of things out of your control mm. and having the humility to know that it could happen to you or, you know, don't look down your nose at people. So it's caused by Sixto Rodriguez. Sisto. Sisto. Is Jesus. that his? Oh, yeah, so. The Sugar Man. So there's a really good documentary on the Sugar Man. Um, who was very famous in South Africa, even though his records were not being reported to be sold to his agent in Detroit, and he spent 40 years as a labourer and then was discovered at about age 70 and went back and did a, a knockout concert in Cape Town. You've done a lot of reading and listening, <laughs> I can tell. This is cause. Welcome back to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly with Karen. Please go to Facebook and like the page Aging Fearlessly. So 
Some of you may have heard of the little magazine Tawny Frogmouth here on the Northern Beaches. If you're not from the Northern Beaches, um, Liam, can you get it online? Yeah, it's um, you know, tawnyfrogmouth.com.au and it's basically a PDF replica. Yeah. It, we well, also have some of the articles, not all of them, but some of them in sort of a blog format, yeah. Well, Liam Carroll is my guest and you just heard him now. He is the founder and he's sharing some... Wonderful insight into his magazine and the journey. Um, but you've been a playwright. You, you studied playwriting or screenplays and you've written books, which we've talked about your Fanta dream, <laughs> your children's book when you were a chubby and definitely not a chubber now. What do you believe people are seeking when they sit down to read The Tawny Frogmouth? I think you want to be entertained. So you want some funny stuff. You want some linguistic trickery here and there, some double entendres, that sort of stuff. Um, and with the Tawny Frogmouth in particular, I think you want street names, people's names that you are maybe familiar with or you've heard about because it's, it really, it's your local community. And so, you know, we don't live on the metaverse, in the metaverse yet. We actually live in a physical place called the Northern Beaches and those, whether it's a street name or a really specific thing that has a all of a sudden it wakes you out of your reverie of online type stuff and go, oh, that's, that's what that is. And, mm. um, and they're real people writing these magazines. So if someone wants to write these yeah. magazine articles, yeah. if someone wants to write um, and tell a story, how do they go about that? Yeah, so we've had a lot of um, people, you know, they might write one article or two articles because they're very passionate about a certain aspect. So um, a good example, Edwina who's with Sydney Wildlife Rescue and just wrote an article about if you see a, a bird in distress, how to sort of go about assessing what you should do and how to help it and how not to make it worse and um, other articles about, uh, I mean, all sorts of things where you're not necessarily a news reporter, journalist, um, but you can write and I can help you edit it and it's that's your little passion project. Yeah. Um, and just the, the A5 format of the magazine too, it means the articles are about, 550 words which is relatively concise as opposed to some blog and online things where there's no page limitation sometimes they're way too long and people don't read them because they're thousands of words yeah um the tawny articles are sort of two to three minute reads and and you've got to get to the point and you know you don't have too much time to muck around and that helps for the reader mm. but it's also a good skill for writers to abide by Strict word limits, I think, is always helpful. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things, too, is not to be afraid to write something because, if, yeah. I mean, you can help them put it together in the end. Yeah. And, and even, um, so say in the last, in, I mean, I'm always confused what month it is because we're sort of looking ahead all the time, but I think it's in the May 20 Frogmouth. Lauren Weatherall, Weatherall a, a teacher at Frenchist Forest High School, talking about some of the Tibetan refugee students and mm -hmm. World Harmony Day and different things they're doing to facilitate, you know, overcoming language barriers and cultural barriers and all that sort of stuff. So that's her kind of passion area. So she's written the article. I've kind of helped with it. But she's, a, you know, she's a tawny journalist now. Um, and that could be anyone. Um, yeah. So if you see stuff that's interesting to you, I'm sure it'll be interesting to me and worth a tawny story if we can fit it in. I love it that I can fit tawny into my handbag. Exactly. It, and it's, it folds easily. And the covers are really colourful. I love the font. You know, it's a really cute little magazine yeah. you've created. And as you said, it does fit in the letterbox. And The letterbox and handbag. That, the handbag was an instant um, feedback. A lot of people were saying, you know, that was a really important factor to help 
you know, read one article, go to the bus, go to the shops, read another article. Yeah. Um, you that just... I hadn't envisaged. I was thinking of letterboxes. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, well, we could get you a handbag if you want one. But, or, you know, you can even go down to Vinnie's and get a handbag. Satchel, very, oh, no, like, like just, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. man bag. <laughs> um, for you and your family, what does the future hold with the magazine? Well, I mean, you were uh, kind enough to call me a family man at our uh, story room. I hadn't thought of myself as a family man. But, um, well, that was a new concept, was it? Yeah, definitely, and um, it's a it's a big it's a big one. It's very important, um, sort of in human nature to, to want to be take care of your family or do things that your family's proud of. And you know, the magazine we're now uh, preparing issue eighteen, so I think it's kind of proven itself, and it, it takes time for people to to come around to things as well. So um, that's a really good sign, and and those stories that are so focused on the northern beaches. Uh, I'm very involved in the community now, whether I like it or not, and people expect me to look into things and and listen to them and follow up on things like the Wakehurst Parkway that keeps flooding or whatever issues might be going on. So I think even though house prices are about $8 trillion for a (laughs) one-bedroom unit, I think Northern Beaches is home for for a long time at least. Yeah. Uh, And our daughter, who's 15 months old, and we live in Fairlight, so I think I moved around quite a bit as a kid, not quite a lot, but a fair bit, I think. She'll probably be a fair light kid for at least the next 20 years. Uh, and then she gets to choose wherever she wants to she can do whatever she wants. We'll see. Yeah. Go well, to I Mars hope... with Elon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that one day you catch up to the beast. Well, exactly. We'll see. It's going to be hard. Uh, they got a bit of a head start. Yeah. We, we take February off bludges. He does every month. He does. Right. Yeah. So only, you only take February off? Well, we, did, we took March off in 2021 because... The baby was born, and then we decided to take February off in 2022 because you need people to kind of sign off on things early January. Mm. And we didn't know the Omicron wave was going to rip everyone apart and make them stay at home and be stranded. So we assumed everyone was going to be having a crazy, silly season on the piss and very hard to get a firm email result from around January 5. So we pulled the pin on that pretty early, but it feels like a good time to have a month off anyway. Well, it's still the end of the silly season, really, yeah. and people are just getting themselves together. Yes, Bird on the Wire by Leonard Cohen. Tell me about this one. Well, Leonard Cohen, the uh, the godfather of gloom, uh, Montreal's <laughs> finest. I mean, I he's a big, it. you know, he's a big uh, influence on my life. And I, um, Kelly Slater, if anyone's familiar with surfing, who's you know eleven times world champion, spoke about watching Tom Curran, who was a sort of world champion prior to mm. him. But just watching him surf made you feel better, made you feel more smooth. And so if everyone's feeling a bit uh, frazzled or frantic, if you just watch a Leonard Cohen interview and just see how the guy carries himself, and that comes through in his songs, uh, and this one in particular, Bird on the Wire, you know, got the bird theme going, but every single line has it's just so much poetic storytelling in a matter of bare few words. And for anyone who's tried to write, uh, Leonard Cohen's the master. Leonard Cohen? Bird on a wire. Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. So it's been an honour today to have Liam Carroll, the founder of the Tawny Frogmouth magazine, in the studio telling us lots of um, great stories about the foundation of this wonderful little Northern Beaches magazine and about himself. It's a really fascinating story. So, Liam, before we go, 
three tips for the audience today, three takeaways, three doggy bags. Three doggy bags. Um, <laughs> I've, I've written here my little bag of tricks. Um, just try lots of different things and ask lots of questions as you go. The second one stolen from David Ogilvy, the, the sort of the god of uh, advertising. But um, tell the truth, but make it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, just be nice to birds I mean animals in general and people if you're up for it, but mainly birds. I love it. Liam, if people want to find out more about the tawny frogmouth and even write an article, how do they contact you? So the best way, um, thetawnyfrogmouth.com.au and then it's either liam at thetawnyfrogmouth.com.au or on the um, contact page on that website. That goes to the mailbox. And, yeah, if you're, the, sort of, the premise of the mag is by people at the Northern Beaches or about something the Northern Beaches residents will be interested in. So if something fits those, I'm sure I'll be keen to know more. Well, thank you again so much for coming in today. It's been absolutely a pleasure getting to know you since January this year and we've had many a meeting now and a chat and I find out more and more every day, every day and you're just such a wonderful human. So thank you. Thank you too. Pleasure to meet you, Karen. Cheers, everyone. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide This treasure that you've got to find, baby, don't be shy. Let's go and take that ride. Taste the sweet and the spice, everything else. Let your heart be alive, baby, just let your heart come alive, honey. Let your heart be alive.